what roles prayer plays in disciple making movement. So the fourth one that we want to talk about today is uh, it mobilizes and unites the efforts of the body of Christ. Right. As we mobilize more and more Christians to pray for their city and for the lost with us, God will be drawing more and more Christians into the work of the harvest along with us. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. Hello, disciple-making friends. I'm Paul Watson, and I'm here with Rebecca Ewing. Today, we're going to talk about what prayer actually accomplishes in disciple-making movements. I'm pretty excited to dive in, but before we do, could you do me a favor? Could you give us a rating or leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you use to listen to our podcast? Your rating or review help people find our podcast and know that listening to us share what God is teaching us is worth their time. Not to mention, your rating or review is super encouraging to Rebecca and me. Also, don't forget that for less than the price of one fancy pumpkin spice latte, just $5 a month, you can listen to our premium content and complete library of CDM podcasts. Just head on over to patreon.com slash faithworks, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. You know, guys, today what we're going to be talking about is what prayer, the role or the five different roles, in fact, we're going to be talking today that prayer has in DMM. Like, what does it do? What is the development there? What is what is happening when we do? And I, I do have to say that this is this is uh, putting it succinctly in these five different things is actually something we've added to our class over the past uh, couple of of times because we we talk about this all the time, but we just really realized we need to just put it out there as official five things that prayer does when it comes to movement. Because whenever what you'll hear us talking about this a lot, that mobilizing large amounts of prayer is absolutely essential to see movements happen. In fact, there's a phrase that says all, that we say all the time in movement, no movement of God has been started without a movement of prayer. And the thing is, is that we say this over and over, but there's actually very few people that Paul and I talk to and and coach with with DMM that actually take this seriously and really make it as a one of the main things that they do is pray and mobilize prayer for their efforts. Yeah, I'm going to break in right there and actually say that our brothers and sisters in Africa and India and other part and in other parts of Asia as well, they take it seriously. But I am going to sit there and say that most of the people in the um, in what would be known as Western countries, the United States, Europe, those kind of things, those are the ones that actually push back on the mobilization of prayer the most. Well, and sometimes it's not even just by philosophy. It's just by just not doing it. I mean, yeah. you know, they might say, yeah, I should, but it, it never ends up becoming something. So really what we try to tell people is that if you're very serious about really bringing transformation to an area um, and everything is that you really need to think like I need to, this needs to be like a multi-hour project per day trying to mobilize prayer for movement. And you have to develop a team to be able to do this. This is not something that you do alone by yourself. 
And, you know, we have stories upon stories and we'll show, share with you some of them today about how people who at, across different movement experiences have seen uh, the, the, the levels of prayer practices that they've done, the, the results that they saw as they pushed in that hard with prayer. It just really goes to that point of that. In fact, you know, what we see as, and, and when I say we see, I mean, third party researchers, what they've seen amongst the most, uh, the, as the most common point amongst successful disciple making teams outside of the basic principles is the fact of they have significant prayer mobilization and practices. And so as we talk about this, keep in mind that there is a, that when we talk about mobilizing prayer, we, we're talking about mobilizing prayer, not just on really four different levels. So first off, personally. So in other words, you personally need to be praying, um, and fasting and spending significant times with God. And then there's your team. So if you have a team of people you're working with or people you're developing, then there's regionally. So you need, if there are other Christians in your area, then you need to mobilize them to pray and significantly pray. And then globally. So in other words, you, it's not enough just to have just your personal team. You need to try to get, get the global body of Christ praying along with you for the transformation of your area. This is part of the reason why that here at CDM, one of the things we do to serve people is realize that we can have a role in providing a place where people can mobilize prayer together for their areas so that we're not vying for attention, you know, like I'm trying to create a whole network for just my area, you know, saying, hey, let's come together from people all around the United States and the world to say, let's pray with each for each other so we can see breakthrough wherever we we are. And so that way we're creating a platform and a community that you can be a part of. And you can start by coming onto our prayer page, it's on our app, our Contagious Disciple Making app. It'll be uh, under the thing of CDM Prayer, uh, prayer, prayer page, excuse me. You click on that, you can get invited in and start posting prayers for your areas and writing prayers for other people. It's a really active and involved community of people that it can grow and grow as we utilize this. And that can be a great entrance door for you to be able to get to know the rest of our praying community and to get active in that. But having said that, guys, what we want to share with you again is the the five roles that prayer does in movement, because a lot of times people get frustrated at the beginning of mobilizing prayer for movement or the beginning part of the work for, for movement. And they think, what am I doing wrong? Why haven't I found like five persons apiece? Why haven't I seen the, all this movement and stuff? And what they're not realize, you know, I pray, I've got a couple people praying, I've got some people praying, and it's like they don't really realize what prayer does and why that it seems to take some time before real movement, ha- or and when I say movement, maybe I should say multiplication that leads to movement happens, you know, in an area. So the first one we're going to be talking about today is that one, it breaks set prayer, does the role of breaking Satan's hold on an area. 
Yeah. So one of the things that we learn from scripture, specifically Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and even in Daniel 10, is that there are areas on this planet that has a principality and the sin of that area determines the strength of its hold on the people and on the land. I, I particularly love the, uh, the, the depiction in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel starts immediately praying to God, uh, because he was so overwhelmed with the need that he was seeing in the area. And, uh, it says that, um, it took several days for the angel bearing the message of the Lord to appear to him. And the angel looked at him and said, hey, I was dispatched the moment you started praying, but I was held up by the prince of Persia until Michael, your prince, came and fought with me and I was able to break free. So um, we know that like the prince of Persia, that being a principality over an area, was strong enough to hold back two angels for a time so that before they were able to break free and bring the message from God. So we also see this actually, Paul, reminds me in the Old Testament, even just God speaking to his people saying, don't do these sins because these sins actively make it to where, you know, the land will be given over to Satan and will even the, the, the land will spew you out because of this particular sin. And so, you know, don't be, so, and those are sins like sacrificing children to Molech, you know, homosexuality, um, bestiality, uh, you know, di- I, I just had to put it out there, sins that we're now, now seeing growing in the United States. And so, you know, when I think that we can really see that experientially here in the United States, where at once, at one time, we would say, hey, this is a place where, you know, um, there's in general more wholeness in our, in our society and, and, and godliness is, is generally looked well upon. Maybe in, at one time in our history, pe- people thought going to church was a normal thing, you know, uh, and, in and out throughout society, but, as we have given ourselves over to things like abortion and homosexuality and corruption and crime and, and things like that, as we've done that, we see Satan's hold on our people grow more and more and more and on our land more and more to where now we're at a fever pitch of seeing these particular things happen. And so, again, we have to look now at our areas, at this ideas that Satan has a hold on an area as some distant land out there and realize that's here. And so when we mobilize prayer, it's a lot of times takes hold and it takes time to re- of significant prayer to actually break through that because we're going through a large, um, large foe. Right. And to your point, you know, I've traveled a lot and I have not looked at as I've traveled to various countries and even regions of the United States um, that that each like even region or perhaps state can have a particular sin that its people are leaned towards. So I come from the wonderful state of Texas that I absolutely love with all of my heart and uh, mourn the fact that I live away from it. But when I return to Texas, I'm very keenly aware of a sin that grips its people, and that is the sin of excess. 
you know, everything is bigger in Texas. You've got the bigger car, you've got the, the bigger portions of food, you've got, you know, the everybody, you know, heading towards the bigger house, bigger, 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 bigger is better, more is better. And that can get people caught into a rat race um, of pursuing things other than God. And I'm not saying they all do that all the time, or that it's not, it's bad to own land or anything like that. But I'm saying, and when that becomes the driving focus of your existence, then you are under the influence of something that is trying to take you away and distract you from serving God. Yeah. In fact, Paul, I think that you also saw this. Let's let's give a, a historical uh, example of this. I know that you worked within Varanasi. Your family worked within Varanasi, India. Um, you know, the, the place that was like the birthplace of Buddhism, Jainism and Hinduism mm-hmm. and Hinduism and everything. And that, you know, it was an incredibly wicked city and you couldn't keep missionaries in there for longer than six months at a time without them getting, you know, either depressed or sick or something. And you had to pull them out and, and you know, give them a break and then put them back in. So there was so much oppression in the area that there was just it was unable to be able to make any kind of movement forward in this, in this particular area. Um, and, and then, you know, um, but the Lord ended up calling somebody to come and pray for the area. Yeah. We ended up that, that fellow who was with youth with a mission ended up taking the task of, of both praying himself significantly and mobilizing uh 24, seven, 365 um, prayer and uh and so as oh it took us uh he ended up doing it for the first year and we didn't see any breakthrough the second year didn't see any breakthrough and it wasn't until the end of the third year the very end of the third year that we began to see the first you know cracks in in the the stronghold of this principality and in year 4 we were able to launch and uh, disciple making teams into the area and actually able to keep them in there for a, a measure of time and see discovery Bible studies and churches started through and multiply throughout the area. So, but it took that long of, and that many, you know, of the body of Christ united in seeing, in, in seeing the people of Varanasi come to know Jesus to break through the stronghold that was over that uh, area, which was caused by by years, thousands of years of of idol worship and all of the evil practices that go around that idol worship. Well, you know, and and that really makes me think, you know, Paul, with stories like that, which are just amazing that first off, God did bring people to himself in such an area, but then also the fact of the amount of prayer that it took to break through. And it just makes me think of places that are again that are considered on the west are we willing to mobilize and work hard in prayer for that long or longer in order to be able to see breakthrough in a particular area and most of the time we find that's not the case see i have found in the united states we are more likely to write off whole cities of people than to care for them enough to unite as as a body of Christ in the United States to pray for the people within there. So, and I'm talking about let's say uh, Las you know Las Vegas. How many Christians will just sit there and and just write it off, or Los Angeles just write it off 
and and not really lean in and say this group of people is worth saving that we must pray for them uh what about utah and the mormon church if we united as a body of christ throughout the united states praying for god to break the stronghold over utah that's keeping our you know mormons in its grip and in you know clouding their minds then what would it be accomplished there but instead we ignore we write off we are much more to be like um uh jonah and who wrote off nineveh than we are to be con- people who would sit there and contend for our brothers and sisters so let's go on to point number two which It's going to sound a lot like point number one, but we want to make some definite points with this one. The second one is the lost are blinded by Satan. Uh, Excuse me. The second one is the the role that prayer movement has is that they it prepares lost communities for movement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first off, over an area, there's just a hold that Satan has on it. But then number two, we have to see whole communities of people who are being prepared for multiplication and movement. So, you know, first off, we just know from what we see in the Bible that these are not just normal people walking around, that they are literally blinded by Satan against the gospel. He's actively trying to keep them from seeing and understanding their need and and God, and he has them wrapped up in lies. We know, we see this in, um, you know, Second Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And, um, and it says here also that, uh, in Ephesians 2, 2 through 3, that we once walked according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, which is the idea of, of the principality, the spirit that is now at work in the son of disobedience among whom we all had in the passions of our faith, of our flesh, lived out, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And we're supposed to be praying so that, like we see in 2 Timothy 2, 25 to 26, that people can come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So we are praying for people to come to thing, but what we're used to in normal ministry and in normal evangelism, so we're saying, hey, we want to pray for individuals, like just one person here and there to be, to come to a realization that they need God and come to be saved. But ultimately, what we're praying for for in movement is that whole families, whole friend groups, whole communities within a shorter period of time, you know, undetermined by us. But the idea is that they that these would all be coming to faith together. So because when you think about how movement is supposed to work, how multiplication is supposed to work, is that you start a discovery group with a family or friend group in which they're talking with uh, and sharing immediately with other friends and family to see if they would start and that they started a group. And then they, (laughs) so in other words, it's like, it's supposed to multiply in a relatively, you know, quick, at least eventually that's where we're trying to get to, right? Is this level of multiplication, but that takes God working on the hearts and not just one person. But and not just orchestrating the circumstance to see one person come to know faith, but all these people who are connected together. 
And so that's why it takes time. That's why it takes time of uh, uh, and a while of praying and engaging before community often before we see a miraculous breakthrough. It's, I mean, obviously when our next point, we're going to be pointing this out that God will be preparing us for movement. But at the same time, there has to be this whole process set up for that. How many of you got, I mean, um, some of you guys may have or be familiar with the concept of pool, how that, you know, a person would say, hey, I've got, I'm playing pool. I'm trying to get these balls into pockets and I'm trying to line them up in order to be able to get my, my white ball to hit this one ball into a pocket. Well, if you're particularly good at pool, you are not only trying to get the next ball into the pocket, you're trying to already line your sharp shots up so you can get right afterwards be in line for the next one and the next one and the next one. And that, and the better uh pull player you are, the more you're able to set up that next shot in tandem. And so that, and that's what we're trying to say here is that we're, we're praying for God to not just prepare one person, but to prepare many people to be able to seek for that movement. So let's go on to point number three, prayer prepares workers for movement. Right. Um, it Through prayer, we end up building a personal connection with God and we learn how to fight inward and personal spiritual warfare. I mean, there is no, no doubt that sometimes the first enemy that we fight is actually ourselves and the desires and the temptations of our own flesh. And we are fighting this battle constantly as we move forward. It's not that you get that battle done and then you move on to the next one. It's like, no, I start to do that. And it's that time that I spend in God's word and interacting with him directly that then reveals those things in my life that need need to be rooted out. And it's the need to have those rooted out that also drives me towards deeper and more committed uh, disciplines of prayer. For example, fasting, you know, removing those things in my life that are comfortable, that comfort my soul in order to create a dysfunction, a dis- discomfort, sorry, that God then uses to reveal those things that need to be taken out. A, a discomfort that comes from a desperation to have God move in that amount. And then also a deep level and large amounts of time of prayer um, that we are in prayer not only is God rooting out the sin, but he's rooting it out for a purpose. He's rooting us out of that out for a purpose so that we begin to align more with the will of God, that we begin to move forward in his wisdom and move forward with his power. And quite frankly, we also start seeing people the way God sees them. True. Um, you know, we don't see them as projects. We don't see them as the next person we plug into our system. We don't, we don't see them as scary or annoying or anything like that. We see them as how God sees them. But, uh, you know, the reality is Satan during this process. So again, if we're thinking about this over the process of years of going out there and starting to try to engage and also mobilizing prayer, you know, we're going to be facing some much more spiritual attack than probably what we've previously faced in our life. And Satan can, can attack us in areas of like di- discouragement and, and fear, um, and temptation and distractions around us. 
And we have to learn how to be able to fight against that on an ongoing basis, learn how to be able to speak the word to our to ourselves and to the situation to encourage ourselves to develop grit in order to stick in with that. Um, he also can attack through stirring up relational issues, breaking our resources, overwhelming us with busyness or crises, or even at times, even physically attacking us. And so that's why we need to learn how to be able to prayerfully and in a godly way respond to those particular situations. And and again, this is how he is preparing us for movement, because if we think even the beginning spiritual warfare is going to be different, it's only going to be more as time goes on, as the task gets greater and greater of what we're trying to do. And so that's why we have to be building ourselves both in prayer and then also in our character and how we build relationships and our practices so that we're not weak and, and for, for this thing that we call movement. So this is one of the ways in which God develops us during this time through prayer and everything, which leads us to our next point in this. Yeah. Before we go into the next point, I want to add this, this in there too, is that, you know, I don't sit there and say, okay, I've eaten today. Now I don't have to eat for the next seven days, you know, and, and because that would be ridiculous. I need daily good food in order to have the energy I need, except for those times when I'm denying myself food to hear the word of God. Um, in the same way, we need to not sit there and say, I prayed today for an hour and now I'm good. Or I worked on my character today for an hour and now I'm good. Prayer and, and that deep work of connecting with God and allowing him to, to sanctify us, to bring us closer in line with his will is a daily task. We pick up our cross every day and we follow God. So I just want to sit there and say that just because we arranged a big prayer conference or a prayer event doesn't mean that we're one and done. Just because we go to church on a Sunday or a Bible study on a Tuesday doesn't mean we're one undone. All of these things are to be a habitual lifestyle that we use to move forward, or we will find ourselves unexpectedly weak at a moment when Satan is trying to attack. And I guess that just to put this out there real fast before we move on to the next thing, this is not just something for us personally to be learning. We've got our teams need to be learning this. Our uh, regions of, of believers need to be learning how to be able to wage spiritual warfare through prayer because it will only get more as time goes on. So that le- that kind of bridges into the next part of that, which is, It develops us as workers for movement because we also are developing our skills as disciple makers. Hmm. You know, the reality is, guys, is that disciple making methods take time and practice to develop in ourselves and others. It's really a shift of mentality from what we usually do in ministry and evangelism to now a a more bit. Bit, quite frankly, biblical and, you know, um, just a different way of being able to look at the thing. And so we find ourselves usually within the first few years of with a lot of starts and stops, you know, groups that don't multiply other hiccups because we're learning how to make disciples who make disciples that actually lead to movement. And the more 
and and the thing is is that the the more that we don't get along with the lo- learning program and we're maybe just grasping at weird straws and we're not really learning the lessons that God has for us in all this uh the longer that we are <laughs> prolonging that ability to be able to handle movement and so we we all of us have to go through a process of learning in all this and as we pray and mobilize prayer and engage people it really allows us to do that which lastly how it prepares us for movement personally as workers is that it helps us to start think to start to think like disciple makers and help us find solution to our solutions to our barriers you know so Again, like I said, this is, this is, we, we act differently, but we also start to think differently about how we do these things. Like, you know, beforehand, maybe would have, we would have just asked this person to, you know, gave them a presentation, gospel presentation, and yay, we got them prayed and saved. And now how, what do we do? Now we're going to be doing something different, which is, hey, we're going to start, you know, just tell them a story and see if they'll share it and ask them to share it with their family. You know, these are, you know, okay, well, we want to be able to start X amount of groups. So instead of thinking that we're going to do it this other way and say, okay, how can we find inside leaders? So we're, we're finding what we're thinking differently. And then also we're seeking God for special insights to our areas, the needs of the people, the, um, ways that we can really connect with people. And, you know, I can, we, Paul and I as outside coaches can give examples, can give suggestions, but in the end, the people on the ground, you know, who's looking at these people and <laughs> around them every day is like, you're going to need to pray to God and say, God, what is it that these people need? What is it that they are? You know, how can I connect meaningfully with them? How can I enter their communities and become one of them? What is a role that I can play in and amount in in through um, around them so that I can have great access, a lot of good access to them? So, you know, these are things that we're having to be guided by God along in this journey. And sometimes it means just going out there, you know, praying about it, going out there and trying something. And then as you are there, you're prayerfully keeping your eyes open. It's like, okay, that first idea wasn't great. But then because I did that, I found the other, I found the answer. I found the answer I was looking for, you know, because I prayerfully tried something and God guided me in it. Right. We say a lot of times in in movement that that proverb that sits there and says, so a man uh, plans his, his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, we move forward in obedience to God's commands and it leads us down the path. But then that first thing we thought we were heading to may not necessarily work out the way we had planned. But then the Lord guides us in prayer and says, oh, I'm glad you came this far in obedience. Let me show you where I want you to go from here. Had we never been obedient and gotten off the couch, then the Lord wouldn't have had the opportunity to direct our paths. Our obedience is the first step, and then he takes us the rest of the way. Yeah, simply put, you know, it's easier to drive a a car that is moving than a car that is parked. That's true. So, you know, it's hard for God to guide our steps when we're just sitting in our living rooms, you know, instead of out there trying to actually mobilize prayer into to engage the lost in in some way, a meaningful way. So, um, you know, guys, this is why we say that the, you know, 
historically, the fasting practices of successful teams around the world have been one day a week, one weekend per month, and three weeks at the beginning of each year, fasting and praying because we understand that we need God's perspective and help to be able to overcome our barriers and to guide us in this process. All right. We'll be right back after a short break to continue discussing two more things that prayer accomplishes in disciple-making movements. Hey, family. Paul here. I want to take a quick moment and share something you may not know. CDM is a nonprofit ministry. That means everything we do is supported by individuals just like you. This year has been pretty busy with launching the Freedom Initiative and the Next Generation Project, as well as coaching people and training people to be disciple makers in their own spaces. We haven't been able to spend a ton of time fundraising, and we are facing a budget shortfall. We need friends like you who would commit to being a monthly supporter of all the wonderful things we do here at CDM. We're looking for 1,000 of our listeners to commit to giving $45 per month. If you can give more or less, that's great. We just want to keep serving God by serving you and equipping the body of Christ to make disciples and start movements. Just head on over right now to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com to donate, or you can do it right through our app. Thanks for listening. Thanks for praying. And thanks for giving. So guys, we, uh, we thank you for our to coming to our second half. The, uh, we have two more points for you on what roles that prayer plays in disciple making movement. So the fourth one that we want to talk about today is, uh, it mobilizes and unites the efforts of the body of Christ. Right. As we mobilize more and more Christians to pray for their city and for the lost with us, God will be drawing more and more Christians into the work of the harvest along with us as well. So that's really, really key. There's so many times that someone's the very beginning of someone's journey into disciple making begins when somebody who had a prayer calendar gave them a call and said, hey, how can I pray for you today? And oh, by the way, pray for me as I am going to see this person. Pray that I'll have casual, meaningful or spiritual conversations. And then that that same person comes back and says, oh, thank you for praying. This is how the Lord answered your prayer. And through that, that person now, it creates what I would call a holy jealousy or perhaps a holy desire in their heart to be a part of what God is doing as well, not just in prayer, but also in action and obedience themselves. That is huge uh, right there. That prayer mobilizes and unites the efforts of the body of Christ as we are doing and, and exhibiting all these prayer practices. That's such a great point there, Paul. I mean, prayer is what, one of the best mobilizers that you can have as you go along this process, because as, as you are living the life, you know, that's one of the first things we tell people whom we're coaching is that, you know, you need to be praying, yes, but also personally practicing disciple making with you and your team. So we usually find them and a few other people to start making disciples, going out there. And then as they're pray mobilizing prayer, they're telling people about their journeys, they're celebrating stories of what God's doing, and they're asking people to pray. And as Paul says, that brings more and more people in to what is what is happening. So, you know, we know that as we mobilize prayer, 
will be mobilizing more of the body of Christ. First off, because they see your uh, God answering their prayers for you and they want to be a part of that too. But then also just the fact of praying for their city starts developing in them a desire to do something. And so, you know, so that's, that's one thing. The other thing, guys, it unites us in the sense that it really goes against our, our pride as human beings. And, and, you know, perhaps we, we are not aware of the amount of pride that actually keeps us from mobilizing prayer. You know, sometimes it can be ignorance. Sometimes it can be just the fact that we're kind of lazy and we don't want to do it, you know, kind of thing. But a lot of times it has to do with some underlying just resistance against, I don't want to have to, A, spend a lot of time, you know, in prayer and B, I don't want to have to talk to so many people about this. And I don't think I really need that many people praying. And the reality is, is that God uses this to develop in as a depend first off a dependence upon him so saying hey listen i can't do anything without you and in fact you're the one who's helping me know what my next step is you're the one i'm listening to constantly and everything as i go along this and i need your power for every day so it did it 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 develops a dependence upon him. But then secondly, that's, that's the one that most people realizes, but, but they don't also realize is that it develops in us a dependency on one another. Um, you know, here in the West, particularly in America, we've gotten into a place where we're just like, I don't need anybody else. I just going to go out there and do my thing. And who cares if anybody else wants to come? And I think a lot of times people that DMM can attract people like that. And I, who have that kind of mentality of, I don't need a, but you know, anybody else other than just me going out there and finding persons of peace and getting this thing started. That's that I don't have to be connected with any organization, ministry, body of Christ. And if they don't agree with me hundred percent, well, bye, bye, bye. You know, I don't need anybody essentially. And the reality is, is that we do. <laughs> uh, there's not a single movement on the face of the planet that it was done just by one person. The body of Christ backed up these people in prayer and even in, in physical and, 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 uh, you know, finances, but then also some actively helped them in what they were doing. So, you know, there, nobody has started a movement just by themselves. And so, you know, we often come against these teams or people who just are like, well, I've got about 15 people praying for me or, or 50 people praying for me. That's enough. And it's like, well, I'm, I, I, I don't think it's necessary for me to, to do global prayer. Well, it is. It's absolutely needful to develop global level prayer in order to be able to see movements happen. And so um, that's why we need to unite the body of Christ to pray for errors. We not be may not be united in everything, but we can be united in prayer. Yeah. And I love the idea of that prayer protecting us from pride and being a grace of God, because now if I am a part of starting a movement, then I can sit there and say, I couldn't have overcome that bur- burden or that barrier. I know that I couldn't overcome the barrier without God. And then second of all, you know, I know that I had to mobilize 
you know, thousands of people of prayer to pray before I came over it. And so I can't sit there and say that I did this. What I do is I sit there and say, look what God did through the prayers of his people to reach those that he never forgot, that he always wanted to come to a, into a relationship with by the grace of Jesus Christ. And so, and then I become transparent. I become stained glass, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody can see God and his work through, you know, and, and, and they don't even see me. And that's when you know you have the right attitude and you're right in the middle of doing movement is when everybody sees the God's fruit and they give glory to him and they, and the, and your name is one that is only known by a few. And so that, that is huge. I know that when we got started uh, in movement, my dad made it a goal to mobilize prayer in every time zone on the planet. And that took a while because there were some, some time zones that only had islands in there. Yeah. In fact, he likes to tell that story that uh, it was basically it, the year that he got a letter from one of those islands saying that they had heard about the Bojpuri and were praying for him, uh, praying for the Bojpuri to receive Christ, that that is when we experienced that breakthrough that resulted in movement. So prayer is incredibly powerful. And that leads us to our fifth point here. P- prayer, mobilization of prayer, it empowers and guides us through the challenges and protects us against attacks along the way. You know, first off, I want to just point out, guys, notice how what we're talking about this. Prayer is not something that just happens once or happens in the beginning and then that's it. It's This is right. an ongoing role that prayer and prayer mobilization happen is it plays in what we're doing. Because as we start off DMM, we usually have our original current levels of efforts of prayer and mobilizing prayer. Uh, whether it's like, hey, we, we've got a lot of people praying, but we're predominant. It's not very focused. We're mainly praying for healing for certain people that are in need. We're really not focusing it towards our city in any particular way. You know, we're not praying for a specific lost in, it, in any particular way. Um, or then maybe there's some people that are like, okay, well, we have some people praying, but not everybody people praying. You know, it's like very little, pe- few people praying. And it's like, that's always been enough for us. You know, we've had, we've done ministry and it's been okay for us thus far. It's like, well, yes, but, you know, if what you were doing was, you know, having a a Bible study here and there or just trying to have a singular event happen, you know, uh, evangelistic event happen and have people raise their hands. And then afterwards, you may have seen out of the 20 people that raise their hands and receive Jesus, one of them come to church the, ne- the next week for the rest of the year. You know, if that, if that's the kind of stuff that you're, you're doing that those levels of prayer is going to be, might've been sufficient for the task. But what we're talking about is really God level sized movements that transform entire cities and nations. And in order to see that happen, to see that level of work, we have to, you know, triple, quadruple, you know, uh, multiply our efforts a lot. And so, and the thing is, is that we, we constantly find ourselves, Paul and I coach people all the time and we try to convince them of this. And what often happens is it takes them facing barriers and stuff they cannot get past. And there seems to be no other reason other than 
You just haven't mobilized enough prayer. You've got to make that, you know, they've outstripped their current prayer strategies and, and practices. You know, it's like, listen, you need more people praying. You need to focus in more on that. And that's why you're having trouble with all these things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, and so, cause again, we'll, we'll come up, we'll, we'll, we'll get to our, our normal level. Like, Hey, we're just trying to talk to a few people about Jesus and share a few stories. And Hey, if I'm just personally praying and a few people praying, then I can do that. Well, then they'll say, I can't seem to get a discovery Bible group going. I just can't seem to really get that going. Well, then they start to learn, okay, let me get more people praying and let's have a weekend of fasting or something. And now they've been able to start their first discovery group. Yay. You know, well, then the next barrier comes up, which is, hey, they're going just because you start a discovery Bible study doesn't mean they're all going to get saved and, and multiply. You know, so now they're like, man, this is happening. That's happening. This person dropped out. I'm not, they haven't been sharing like they should. Da, da, da. It's like, okay, you need to raise pray more prayer and get more people praying and stuff. And so, and they do that. And then, hey, they're starting to, to, to see things out of the word. They're starting to share. And did you know one of their family members is going to start a group of somebody else? Yay. You know, so we're seeing, you know, the, the fact that as they grow their prayer efforts along the way, things, the barriers go down. And, and, uh, as Paul says, I've heard him say many times, it's like, how do you know that you mobilize enough prayer, Paul? How do you know you mobilize enough prayer? You mobilize enough prayer when you've overcome the obstacle that's facing you. And if you haven't overcome it yet, you need to mobilize more prayer. And, and guess what? Whatever, whenever you get past that particular barrier, you might as well just keep it there and mobilize more because if you know what the next step is, that's ahead of you. And so you just keep on mobilizing well, that prayer. And I, and I just want to point out the incredible opportunity. Look at this. If let's say we come up across a barrier and we did this actually in, in Amarillo, Texas, uh, our friend uh, Jack was trying to start a disciple making team inside the prison in order to start discovery Bible studies there. And he faced barrier after barrier after barrier, obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And so we finally said, okay, this is a spiritual battle. Let's mobilize global prayer and fasting. And we did. And perhaps one of you that's listening, you actually prayed for that. And uh, so we mobilized that prayer of fasting and guess what? We had a breakthrough and over the next like 10 months, they started, they had 300 men across like 27 discovery Bible studies that went five generations deep inside of a maximum security prison. And we started seeing baptisms as well. And, and then this created a neat opportunity. We were able to go to the body of Christ and say, without you, we couldn't have broken through this prayer, this barrier. Look at what the Lord has done through you and see the fruit that he has blessed you with. And the, the prayer and the worship, the celebration that happened as a result of that was huge and worldwide. So this is an incredible opportunity, guys, that as we mobilize prayer and people see God answering their prayers, they receive a faith bump and then they break out in worship of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the God who never sleeps and who hears the prayers of even the smallest, the youngest and the newest of saints. So guys, you've heard us making a lot of um, points on saying, hey, this is what the role of prayer does. And you're saying, okay, well, this is a lot bigger than I thought. 
You know, it's like, how does one even begin with all these particular things? You know, uh, I just want to give you a couple of, of first steps. You know, one is just go to into our prayer podcast. If you go onto our app and you go under prayer resources, there's going to be uh, a series called Seeking Prayer Movement. And, you know, take a listen to that. There should be four parts to that series. It goes through a lot of the theories and tools that we use in mobilizing prayer. So take a listen to that and get started with things like the prayer calendar and 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 uh, different tools to pray with other believers and stuff like that. But then second, go on to our prayer page. Like I said, do it. Go on to our app, click on the CDM prayer page, join our page and get connected with our community Join us on Wednesdays. Uh, right now, they're from, it's from 7.45 to 9 a.m. Uh, PST. But you know what? You may be listening to this months down the road, and we've changed it. So you can also go into the events app, part of the app, and look up when our prayer meetings are, and you can be able to connect with us there. But either way, you know, this needs to be, a, you can join a growing community of DMMers who are praying for movement. And that's what we invite you to be able to be a part of. That's great. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the CDM podcast. Don't forget to leave that rating or review. And don't forget to help us out by becoming a monthly supporter. You can do that super quick right here in the Contagious Disciple Making app before you leave, or you can type it in to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com. Click on donate, be able to go in there and leave your monthly support. Also, and most important, Go and make disciples. What are you waiting for? Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and supporting us on Patreon. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.